Yo, 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 what's going on? It's CJ Today Slayer from the Upgrade America podcast. Shout out on the audio side. You already know how we do. Upgraders, how you feeling? It's election season. Vote for policy, not for people. Just a little tip, no matter how you vote. Um, I did vote today, actually, in Florida on our primaries for local and state, I think. Local and state. So I did vote for that. Big elections coming up in November. So I'll probably be doing that one by mail. So we'll see. But anyway, shout out to our new upgraders in Belgium and Finland. Welcome. Thank you very much. Our international upgraders mean a lot. Um, hope you guys enjoy the podcast. We talk about Kamala Harris. We talk about uh, working with an opponent, politically, professionally, whatever have you. Um, we talk about WAP, the phenomenon, the song, the video, all that good stuff. Um, be blessed, stay safe, be nice to each other. Seek knowledge. Peace. Politics as usual. Kamala is true, though. No upgrade, America. Ready for you to show. Let's go. What's up, world, and all our upgraders? I pray you're blessed. Shout out to everybody surviving 2020. It's been one tough year. Um, my condolences to the Trump family. Politics aside, like it really sucks to lose a family member, and the president just lost his brother. You know, our, our prayers are with you. The cat's out of the bag. Now, for uh, everyone knows that Kamala Harris is the Democratic vice presidential nominee. What does that mean for Joe Biden? And are you ready for 10 long years? Hold on. Of Kamala Hala Ulala Banana Nana Kulala. Yeah, I couldn't help myself. But this is a political <laughs> possibility we're discussing on Upgrade America. Don't talk to strangers. I'm Cameron Ra, 2020 independent presidential candidate and host and executive producer of Boom, Upgrade America. We strive to entertain you with current events and get you involved in politics. Don't cry because you didn't get your second stimulus check yet. And the Congress just left on vacation for 30 days. No, <laughs> run for Congress yourself and make that change. I hope Kamala Harris his nomination encourages a lot of uh, females to run for office. All you have to do is smile and promise not to take our guns and you got my vote. I'm pleased to be joined by my bro and partner, co-host, CJ the Sing Day Slayer. How's your morale? How's your threat level, bro? What's up? Good to go. Threat level stays on Charlie. You already know. Yeah, it's true, true. Man, I mean, uh, Charlie is manageable better than Delta better than like how you say uh what is it Defcom five but yeah what uh what other um what other stories we got on on the agenda today yeah we we got a lot real quick pop culture just some of the exciting ones okay pop culture what did you think about the WAP song and the video you know get your thoughts on that I'm I'm so unplugged from pop cop 
yeah, from pop culture. Like I've heard clips of the song. I haven't uh-huh. seen the video, but I have heard the controversy. So it's like, I think it's uh, it goes back to it again with like, I want to say people if you're confident with your sex game like uh, a song is not going to offend you and, and that's what i i keep hearing is like among conservatives and other people that like, they they're offended from it and i don't know but yeah okay. what are your thoughts on it bro like i'm, I'm really not uh i haven't really dived deep into that um real quick i guess uh for me i enjoyed the video uh visually stimulating you know i like women doing their thing i ain't trip. i don't know it was just kind of like all right, I don't see what the big deal is, but I mean, we've had vulgarity and sexual uh, expression for centuries, all the way from cave dwelling to everything. So, all right, it's 2020. I think so like, a lot of people are hating because women, more women are becoming empowered now, and it's just like they're doing whatever. But more yeah. power to you, do your thing. I ain't hating, but at the same time, like, yeah. I, I feed my mind with, uh, you know, with other forms of substance. So yeah. what else are we um our main we we said our main topic today we're discussing Kamala, but what else is on um what's popping on the pipeline? Uh we got do it yourself politics. How to work with an opponent. Cause this is very timely how you see Kamala going from debating Joe Biden. That you were wrong to oppose busing in America. Then no. do you agree? I did not oppose busing in America. What I opposed is busing ordered by the Department of Education. That's what I opposed. Well, I there did was not a failure of, of states to, to integrate no, public schools in America. I was part of the second it, class to integrate Berkeley, California public schools almost two decades after Brown v. Board of Education. Because your city council made that decision. It was a so local decision. So that's where the federal government must step the, in. The that's why we have the Voting Rights step- Act and the Civil Rights Act. That's why we need to pass the Equality Act. That's why we need to pass the ERA, because that's there what- are moments in history where states fail to preserve the civil rights of I all people. To now working with them. So we want to kind of just share our thoughts on that how that works could you do you're, it you're really right because it's, it's i'm i'm was gonna bring that up myself how it's like the democrat party they're, they're so cutthroat in the primaries they're ripping each other's hearts out and then it's just like you know let's sweep all that under the rug and join forces yeah we so got uh go ahead oh uh, no i'm saying it should be an interesting show but what uh, else hold on? on real quick ig people j love what's up no team, just us. What's up? Okay, so no team says WAP is not bad. I'm all for it. J Love says why slobber my knob <laughs> wasn't so bad, but WAP is. So, like we alluded to, when uh, it's an age of women, age of information. Um, I think that men are not used to certain men. I think I think we consider ourselves pretty progressive on women's rights and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think men are just not used to that brash, bold, I guess, expression. It's like stay in the kitchen kind of shit or whatever. You know, well, stay conservative. It's, stay it's not a Kamala Harris's nominee, uh, an example of uh, that we're entering into that age of the so-called divine feminine. If uh, you really ties into Aquarius and all that stuff, but the power seems to be shifting from men. You know, like you said, slob on my knob. You have 
in that era, you had that pro-dominant men in, in the workforce, men in politics, men in power, and also in hip hop. But now, as you mentioned, you know, you got Cardi B and uh, and other female rappers that are emerging in this game and that power structure is shifting. I'm all for it just because the way that men have been doing, uh, misogynist men have been doing business in the past. Sure. And, you know, it's not the best. So I'm curious to see what, you know, uh, this, this power shift is, is going to bring. But at the same time, we got to remember it's like we do. At the end of the day, we want equality because if power shifts to women, and then it's like they start oppressing men, which is a possibility. You know, it's not a good thing. Will we have to have men's rights activists in, in the future? So. Um, I think overall, I think also too, it has to go extreme to find a balance. Somebody has mentioned. Mm, I like that. So it's like you're saying it swings from one end of the pendulum to the other, and then eventually it's going to meet in the middle and be like, yo, yeah. we, we had enough of both extremes. Interesting. But yeah, as far as, um, you know, salute everybody doing their thing. One thing I can say about music, I make music myself too. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I will never defend my music because music is creative expression. And sure. you should never feel the right to have to defend your music. It, it is what it is. You, you got to hear me to hate me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it or not. But um, yeah, back to Kamala Harris. All you right, we get any back. remarks on her? Um, hold on, let's see. Cause I got a rant. Okay, hold on. Uh, just to acknowledge everybody real quick, and then we're gonna jump into our main topic. Okay. Uh, no team, just us on IG said is it's music has nothing to do with women power. I guess women empowerment. And then Jay Love says yeah, some inferiority complex with it. She's laughing. So I think both things could be true, and it's all a matter of perspective. So I ain't wrong. I ain't mad at what y'all saying. But yeah, we're gonna get into Kamala. We're gonna say, "What's up, Wolf King 35 All right, let's jump into this. No doubt. So you got some opening remarks? Um, I'll let you go with your rant. <laughs> so. I'm gonna keep it brief. I'm gonna keep it brief. Okay, but, uh, go for first it. First off, I need to say I had all I could swallow with Kamala. Yo, I'm gonna keep it going with these. these these uh these rhyming things but yo i don't think i could uh take 10 years of her the debates were a disgrace for one it gave a little taste of what to expect from a democratic presidency if anything it shows how fake the entire party is as you mentioned before cj it's like they work hard to destroy one another in the primaries uh there was some static between joe biden and kamala harris uh particularly I do believe that Kamala was saying that Biden was in favor of legislation that kept her segregated or it had some sort of racial impact on her as a child. Mm, yeah, with the segregation. I, I was mentioning in, in the in the debates okay. and um, something about her and busing and things of that nature. I don't got the whole narrative, but all I'm saying is they went at each other's throats and now, you know, they're like, OK, we cool. But it's funny how it's funny how that works. But I have several bones to pick with Miss Harris. It's no secret her legacy consists of locking up people of color for weed crimes. So when Kamala Harris became the 32nd District of Attorney of California in 2011, convictions went from 50% to 74%. And that sounds pretty impressive. Like she's tough on crime, locking up the murderers and the rapists, right? But the truth of the matter is she went for the easy kills. She prayed on the week. She had people locked up for weed crimes. And she had the nerve to laugh when she's asked if she smoked weed herself, which I believe was affirmative. So in addition to this, she withheld evidence 
that would have gotten an innocent man off a death row. She would have let that man die if the courts didn't force her to submit that evidence. She's against assault rifles, so big thumbs down. And to me, anyone who's anti-Second Amendment is pro-tyranny. And Kamala will also like to see criminal charges for parents with, uh, for parents with truant children. So I'm curious her thoughts on that now with the implementation of this homeschooling system that's, that we're going through as well. So she's gone on the record saying she would be a prosecutor president. Right. This is how she prosecutes. And that, that, that raises some concerns. I want to shout out Kelsey Gabbard because she pretty much gave me that whole, all that in, in a four minute clip and yeah. some other information. But I, I do have some concerns. I got a little bit um, more to wrap, wrap up on this. And okay, then... yeah, because IG is like blowing oh, up. Oh, no, let's take IG break then. Okay, um, J-Love, she's from the Bay Area, so she's very familiar with her. She said, basically on the line with what you were saying, she put away an innocent black man. She, yes. He got paid out by the city, but it's not going to give him his years back. No team just us said, basically, I feel like Joe Biden picked her to get the non-white vote. Yes, indeed. I totally um, agree. Wolf Kings 35 says, sometimes my enemy or my enemy is my friend. At this point in time, we need to ride together and beat this evil and no team just us says <laughs> kanye and kim baby <laughs> stupid guess he referring to kamala saying a kanye kim baby <laughs> well yo um so our, our headline though is it's talking about 10 years of kamala harris so we gotta reference the constitution real quick so we can talk about how that scenario would occur Okay. The 22nd Amendment was passed by Congress in 1947, and it was ratified by the states in February 1951. The 22nd Amendment says a person can only be elected to be president two times for a total of eight years. It does make it possible for a person to serve up to 10 years as president. This can happen if a person, most likely to the vice president, Kamala Hala Olala Harris, takes over for a president who can no longer serve, i.e. Joe, where am I today? Biden. <laughs> if uh, this person serves two years or less the preceding pre of the preceding president's term, they may serve for two more four-year terms. If the president served more than two years in the last president's terms, the new president can only serve one four-year term. So remember we were saying like if... Um, how you say something happened to Biden off the rip day one that and Kamala would be driving like she got ascended up or whatever. I thought she would be eligible for 12, but that's not the case. So long as she can get his 10 years. Okay. So let me wrap this up. The stage is set for 10 years of prosecutor president Kamala Harris. And um, we have a senile Democratic presidential candidate who is clearly unfit to run this nation. I wouldn't trust him to run a lemonade stand. He might serve up piss with his dentures. <laughs> Nonetheless, the people will vote in droves just to beat President Trump. I had something about the grass being greener on the other side and the devils, you know, against the devils you don't, or vote Cameron Rod 2020, something about that. But in the event that the Democrats win, we already know she's going to be driving the car off the rip while Joe's sleeping in the back seat. Now, uh, CJ, you mentioned something about the Clintons may be in the White House 
further assisting Miss Harris as while she's VP or how do you say acting president? Mm-hmm. You got any um, information on that? Basically, there's a theory. Shout out to Kim Iverson. Y'all should check her out on YouTube. She has some very fascinating theories, and we actually align on some stuff based on season one, which we'll get into a little later. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, top contributors for Kamala Harris' campaign University of California, Alphabet Inc., which is what? A it's sub- Google, theory. right? It's part of Google, their technology, something with robotics, or I'm not sure. Alphabet Company owns Google. Like, Google falls under Alphabet Company. Something like that. Um, Warner Media Group, Disney, Hmm. the state of California. Those are top five contributors to her campaigns and whatnot. So that kind of touches a little bit of everything. Now, is it unusual for a state to be a top contributor? I find that interesting. I don't know. But that's something I did discover under OpenSecrets.org. Y'all can check that out too. OpenSecrets.org. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna poke around in there. Um, as far as Hillary Clinton, so Kim Iverson kind of made the um, theory that basically, and you could kind of see it um, throughout Kamala's when she got knocked off the campaign when she had to drop out. Mm-hmm and certain attacks against Kamala during the campaign, Clinton was like behind like, hey, defending her, whatever, whatever. So because the theory is because Hillary didn't win and how she lost, she gets another shot at getting back into office somehow by running through Kamala. Now, what do you mean back into office? Like, you know how she was Secretary of State under Barack Obama? Yeah. Would she be taking another um, position on the cabinet or? Doesn't she didn't really specify, but I was thinking either it'd be some kind of consultant mm-hmm. where she could I probably like, do her best work compared to being in the state because you know everything. She probably get of- paid more as a consultant. Because yeah. I was thinking the same thing too. You know, uh, of course you'd be my chief of staff, but I wouldn't <laughs> mind having Barry on as a you know as a White House consultant. But uh, so you think she would come in as a consultant? Then that's cool. I'm guessing she could do her most work as a consultant compared to being within the system because you know everything pretty much is a record of it. Yes. As a consultant, you can kind of operate off the books. Now, do you think that Kamala Harris was more manageable and that's what made her more appealing to the Clintons rather than Joe Biden, who's more senior and, you know... Uh, Absolutely. They were saying... Say stubborn. She- yeah, she's more malleable, more influential. Because if you pay attention to Kamala, no, no, I, I said manageable. I mean, not, I don't want to say control. Like she could control her better. Yeah, but you think well, that's I mean, a factor? in essence, that's kind of what would happen. Because if you pay attention to Kamala throughout her presidential uh, campaign, she mm-hmm. flips a lot. And not saying politicians don't do this. Yeah, I was going to say like, but she really flip flopped a lot if you pay attention on her positions. And so, yet, uh, I do want to. Uh, I want to emphasize because okay. she said that she was um, her her track record is very against the uh, medical cannabis. I'm sorry, against marijuana, cannabis crimes, and things of that nature. But she did say she is pro, like declassifying it from a Schedule One drug. I, so I that's why I'm that. like, where do you stand on this? Joe Biden is very adamant where he stands with with pot, and it's like. And, and, and I hate to be stereotypical, but I have a lot of black friends who smoke weed. And it's just like, he's very against, uh, he's very against pot. And it's like, again, you're talking about 
easy convictions for, mm-hmm. for weed crimes. And that's what I, I would I would foresee underneath this administration. And that's just so. Uh, J-Love off of IG says, one thing she keeps hearing is her for 2024. Hmm. So I guess she's talking about, I don't know if you're talking about actually being president, regardless of how this race turns out, or that's what I'm assuming you're going with, J-Love. Shout out to you. What's up, Ryan242? Represent. I mean, she could easily run with that. Okay, I was VP. And then, because really, do you think that Joe Biden would run again? Nah, he's only a one-term president. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think he would go in. And even to that, he's just a talking figurehead. Yeah. You know, it's just like, and I suppose we could use this to transition into, you mentioned something about Dick Cheney 2.0. You so elegantly put it in the notes. (laughs) So my theory is what Hillary Clinton is trying to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Is be Dick Cheney. And if you know Dick Cheney, basically, long story short, he basically ran the presidency when Bush was in office. Yes, indeed. So, a lot of money in Iraq, too. Yeah, so basically, Kamala would be doing that for Biden. Hillary would be doing that to Kamala, say Kamala takes over. That's my theory. Interesting. So, you don't think um, Kamala, well, I'm not going to say what you think. I will ask you. Do you think Kamala is capable of operating on her own and has her own agenda for the White House? I will give her this. She's tough. She's yes, not a pushover. Um, mentally and professionally, is she capable? Yes. With that pressure on her as the president, I'm curious to see. I'm, yes. I'm curious as, as well. Yeah. It's because it's like, it seems uh, with the, how do you say? with these um, popular parties, meaning the Democrats and the Republicans, they have decades of allegiances with, you know, other people to, to rise up through that political pillar. So it's not like you can just spearhead your own initiatives, your own objectives. It takes a lot of uh, cohesiveness to, you know, working with, with other people. So I'm curious, um, I don't know, this, this time is, uh, this election is wild, man. Yeah, oh, uh, so I got, I got a couple comments. Ryan242 says Kamala is not likable. Um, <laughs> I don't like it. Ryan also says they're all puppets. And let's see. And you said that was Ryan? Yeah. Can you ask a question back to him, though? Or can I convey my question to him? You okay. Think a, a independent president, just if he or she was elected, you think they could operate and not be a puppet? A puppet? And the We're fact. actually going to talk about this anyway, but okay, okay. we'll get to that when we get to that subject. Um, let's see. Jay Love says a lot of our recent presidents were not likable. That doesn't stop them from winning. Very mm-hmm. true. A lot of yeah, a lot of uh, historians, uh, public figures in, in history were not likable. So, um, that's sure. what you take away from being uh, from being a good leader. Um, two four two. Ryan says. They've both been polarizing, though. Kamala is neither likable or polarizing. J-Love says they're puppets. I would say putting her into play was a well-strategic move. I agree, particularly on, uh, how do you say, securing the black vote. And yeah. while, while not a majority of the black vote, but it's there are people who are going to take that vote, that ticket, exclusively because of Kamala Harris. I agree. It's very strategic. It's brilliant. 
So to break down her the demographics that she captures by her coming mm -hmm. on a ticket, I wrote this down. She's Jamaican and Indian, right? Yeah. So she got the immigrant vote, basically. Then she's a sorority member, AKA one of the most popular Greek organizations, especially for black women, which is another key demographic of voters, very important. And then she has the HBCU grad tag along with that. Mm. So the sorority itself is a political um, group itself. Like, uh, yep. so you factor that in, all those three things right there, she can capture a good percentage of the vote. And That's what I was looking at. But there were several other black females that Biden was considering, or, or at least his uh, campaign is, his administration was considering for, for VP. What do you mm -hmm. think made Kamala Harris most appealing? She has, it's tough because Tammy Duckworth, I think she's from Singapore or Vietnam, but she has a lot of uh, experience. She's a dis disabled uh, combat vet. Veteran, yeah. Yeah, so I think she was Asian. Um, Val Demings from Orlando, she's police chief. I think she's now a congresswoman. Okay. She doesn't have, I think, executive experience yet. She's too much of a rookie on Capitol Hill. So I think that's what stopped her. Now, she's a black. Kamala, she's a deputy senator or something. She is a senator, and then she was AG of California. So you could kind of see her progression mm -hmm. and experience. So I would say more of the experience, and then she just ran for president. She had. Pretty true. much a successful campaign. True, true. When, you, when you consider that, I agree. And she has a base. She established a base as well mm -hmm. that's going to jump on that ticket. So again, yeah, I agree with whoever made that comment. It was a very uh, strategic move. Yeah, that. that was J-Love. Shout out to you. Um, let's see. She said especially, oh, don't get us started on BLM. We got buried with that. <laughs> <laughs> We're not allowed to speak about it. on that. Oh. Um, Ross says, can an independent candidate be there without being a puppet? I don't think you can make it to the presidency without being a puppet. Let's not forget the millions of dollars that go into it. Campaigning. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. I totally agree with you on that. I'm just saying in some wild, unlikely scenario that occurred, like that, that, that candidate made it in, would they be able to do anything? Would they get anything accomplished? <sighs> yes. You'd be doing a lot of executive work. If you want me to hold it, you say we're discussing that later. So I'll yeah. hold my answer till then. Ryan, he's going to respond to you later, a little bit later in the podcast if you get time. Either way, you can go back and look at this, at least for the first hour. It's going to be within the first hour. Um, Where are we at? Shit, we covered a lot of shit. Um, right now, let's talk about finally a VP pick, right? So we got mm -hmm. Kamala. Um... Does this hurt or help Democrats? It's a question. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to say it helps the Democrats, for one. Because when you're talking about Joe Biden standing on his own, um, you can't help but look at him like a liability and a, and a, a, a danger to the nation. But if you know he has a strong VP standing behind him, and you're like, oh, yeah, when, when Joe... You know when he whatever you know when he when he he stops making sense and you're like yo put, put joe to the side you know you got someone strong behind it, it would probably build more confidence in the people 
Additionally, uh, as, as the IG comment mentioned, like mm-hmm. having that black female, you have that historical aspect. So people may just vote just to get a uh, for that historical aspect to have a, a black female VP. And um, yeah, I think it helped. What about you? Um, oh, Ryan did answer your question real quick. He said, uh, he said they will get your ass up out of there. <laughs> you don't do their bidding, basically. They're going to get your ass up out of there. So. Well, it's like, I, so I, I want to counter back to, okay. to Ryan again, but it's like, I don't want to say, I don't see Trump as a real Republican. I don't. I see him as an independent who infiltrated the Republicans. And just went in there and did what the fuck he want. I think uh, he donated to Kamala's campaign back in the day too. Actually, he also yeah, donated he, to the Clintons too back in the day. I was gonna say he had Democratic friends, and that's why I said I think he's more of an independent who just infiltrated. He's like, yo, the Republican Party is weak. Slide up in there, take it over, and he did what he wanted. And yeah. I say this because Ryan said they would get him out, but they tried that with Trump. They tried to get Trump out. They impeached him, and he's just like, what? So it's it's like, of, hold on, hold on. So compare you, though, mm-hmm. to Trump. Trump has, quote unquote, we don't know his net worth, but we know it's apparently up there. Would there be a difference because you would come from, I would say, normal means compared to billionaire? Well, I'll say millionaire because they're still skeptical on um, like. So if, well, let me ask you this. How much did you think for Trump's legal defense came from his personal pocket? Is not the president entitled to uh, some sort of a legal counsel? Yeah, he had what the AG he had like a special counsel. I think he might have had maybe one civilian. I'm sure, yeah, he put some bread in, you know, his own money. But mm-hmm. I'm sure the president is is awarded some sort of legal counsel. So oh, absolutely. I don't know, and I'm not saying me personally. Yeah, while I'm running for president and stuff, it could very well be someone else. You know, and um. I'll, I'll just give you my answer. Like, I would just executive order everything. And I know it's just a four-year band-aid, but I'm like, oh, oh, well, I'm going to change this, up, change this, change that. And I, if you look at Trump's uh, track record, he's been doing a lot of those. Yes. And, you know, for our viewers out there, like, executive orders, they are, like, they go away after a president leaves office, but at the same time, you can kind of roll them out pretty quick. You don't need Congress's approval and, yeah. and things of that nature. So that's what I would do as an independent. I think, I think that's the best way um, if you're going to face major opposition. Not saying mm-hmm. you're not going to need Congress or anything, but in that case, like case study, if you guys want to check out a good show, Designated Survivor, I think oh, it's cool. Netflix. That shows like a perfect example, kind of what it would look like. It actually taps into the other thing of the 10 years, even though they don't go there, but you can kind of see the opportunity for it to go there based on how he took over. I don't want to spoil and I it. Stopped, I, I stopped watching it for a while, but yeah, I'm surprised they didn't take that route for, uh, yeah. you say, that was clearly a, a national emergency right there. Yeah. Like, he personally, yeah, martial law was an institute. Wait, wait a minute, what else we got on him? All right. Um, oh, well, I already explained why she helps the Democrats. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a close race. It just all depends overall. This is my just overall thoughts. I think it's going to be closer than people think. I think they do have a shot to win. Who, the Democrats? 
Yeah, but I will but say they have a really great shot. Yeah, I will say yeah. Trump is going to fight tooth and nail. So yes, be prepared. Indeed. Yes, indeed, and that's what I'm like. I suppose we could briefly talk about like the whole nail thing. We did that in the past, but now it seems we could be gaining more traction. But do you think that's enough? What? Like the whole mail slowdown and everything. You think that's going to substantially impact? I feel like because of the climate of so many people say out of work or have the spare time compared to other years, I think it can slow down, but not as much as he thinks it would because people have time. I see. So that's how I look at it. More people have time to vote and do all these things compared to any other year. So is there no on-site voting? That's like in democratic states, is that good, like not going to be a thing? Everything uh, uh, mailed uh, in? No, good question. I know the mail-in thing is being pushed heavy. Um, honestly, because, I'm, it, it, cause right. like, here's the thing. It's like that can hurt him too. Because if like if you can't get the Democratic votes, then you're not gonna get the uh, the Republican votes or you know the votes for Cameron Rock for that matter. So it's like, yeah, I'm 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 confused on his strategy for that. You know, I don't know. Um, yeah, and you bring up a good point because Republicans got to vote by mail too. So I yeah. mean, here's a fun fact though that I learned that okay. the entire uh, DC votes by mail. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm interesting yeah like washington dc washington dc is weird for it. it's not a state it's like has all these special clauses and they vote by mail like president trump votes by mail like because he lives in dc or he has residence in there um let's see j love said it all depends on the corruption mm. um that's my thought not votes so he did put his homie in there uh for the head postmaster mm. He's a, he's yeah, a, we that. talked about that the other episode. Um, what else we got here? All right, do it yourself politics. How to work with an opponent? Let's talk about it. Now, are you referring to like independence working with bipartisan, like, or what, what do you mean by that? Just in general, like, this is a perfect example Biden and Harris. They were very staunch uh, enemies, I guess, on the campaign trail. For the most part, now they're working together. I mean, how would that make you feel? Like it's one thing if yo, like, you're my boy, and I'm running for president. I'm like, yo, Chris, like, be my VP, man. We cool, we buddy, but, but like, how would that make you feel? If, like, you picked a former enemy, and your your inherent death would make them would give them a promotion. How how would that make you feel? <laughs> I would be too comfortable, me personally. Yeah, I feel some kind of way. It really depends. Who, who you know of Joe Jurgensen? Uh, J Love Five Ten mentions Joe Jurgensen. That name sounds familiar. I'm not you, too familiar. Who, uh, what's up with him? Uh, let me Google real quick. What, what's the deal with them, J Love? I think she's gonna respond. Um, well, yeah, let me look. Me personally, I think that's that's, that's tough. I, I don't know, man. And it's like it's not like she she's rooting for him to stay on good health and you know good cognitive health. Like as soon as it goes all the goes to hell, she's in charge. And okay, Joe Jurgensen is a libertarian 
uh, party nominee for president for 2020. Okay, libertarian, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I think we kind of align with libertarians, a lot of their kind of their views, I think, if I remember correct. Somewhat. Yeah, somewhat. Um, I don't, we don't know much about her. Oh, she went to Clemson. Shout out Clemson, all in. Um, my favorite college football team. We won't have a season this year. Um, we shouldn't. Is Libertarian. Um, let's see. Running. Yeah, they don't discuss her. Third party. Cam knows. They're not going to discuss you. Like, they got rid of all, basically, they got rid of the heavy players like Yang, Gabbard, uh, what, Booker? Was it Booker? Corey Castro. Booker, yeah. um, who else? And they were like, Partisan. They weren't even like in the middle, even though Libertarian is the biggest third party. I just found that out. Interesting. Yeah, I did not know that myself. Uh huh. They're the biggest third party in the political landscape. We're going to have to dive in a little bit on her. We got an agenda today, but definitely going to talk about more Libertarian. Thanks for the idea. Um, all right. What else we got? Uh, let's see. Hold on. Uh, go back here. So working with an opponent, could you work with an opponent within your administration? Sure. Again, it's like, um, I wouldn't want to view them as my enemies. You know, like, go past that. We got a job to do and, and, and let's get it done. But here's, um, I think um, here's the thing, because we're independent. It's like, we, it doesn't mean we just have our own agenda. It's like, you may share certain values from the Republican Party and from the Democrats as well. So if anything, I think that makes you more of a master key that you can be like, yeah, I agree with you on, on this over here, but y'all agree with them over there on there. So I don't want to say you could be a liaison, like a bridge or, or, or something like that. But I think there's um, a lot of possibilities for independents to work with both sides. Let me bring this up. Okay. So say you're independent. Why don't, hold on, as far as opponents working together, why don't the presidency run campaigns by uh, bipartisan? So say Joe Biden and a Republican running mate. Why, why does that not happen? So you're saying like... Or independent and Republican or independent. Okay, I'll tell you why. My, my main thing, I don't want to sound all cynical and talk yeah. about treachery, but it's like... Essentially, it's, it's power is what the two, what the parties represent, taking control of power. And the two parties, while they have some similarities, they have some diverse differences. And it almost seems inexorable for you to have an, an opponent. It, it, me personally, I think it would leave a lot of room for self-sabotage or for, mm. for insider threats. Okay. And um, I personally would prefer to see the abolishment of political parties. I agree and, with you. And um, even the abolishment of political candidates. I think you should like write your policy out up front and people should vote for the policy. Like, yo, this is it. Oh, this is what we're putting in the office. This is what, that's all a person should be is like a person, a representative who actually goes in to push for these objectives and they should be outlined before. You should not be voting off of someone's promises. Mm -hmm. You should have it in black and white. This is what I intend to accomplish. And simplified, as we emphasize, it should be dumbed down, simplified. Hey, Mr. Yes. Well. All right. 
Let's dig into the Electoral College and independent candidates and write-ins. Outstanding, outstanding. I got some notes on this. Okay. From the University of Kentucky. Okay. So, yeah. Let me say shout out to the University of Kentucky for the scholarly article they provided. So, um, pretty much reading it verbatim, but I'll do my best to put some enthusiasm into it. Okay. An estimated one in three native-born Americans would fail the civil literacy test that immigrants must pass to gain citizenship, meaning a growing number of Americans have a frightening lack of understanding of both their freedoms and how the American government actually works. So how does, uh, so how does your vote for the next president of the United States get counted? The U.S. uses a system called the Electoral College to determine the outcome of each presidential race. So the Electoral College is a process established by our founding fathers and laid out in the Constitution, often referred to as an indirect election process. The system was designed to provide equal footing for both densely populated states and smaller states during the presidential election. Simply put, it's like if the elections were determined by the popular vote, Mm -hmm. like New York, California, and you know, Florida, they would decide the election every time and Rhode Island and all these smaller states, they really wouldn't have any say. And I get it to an extent, like the founding fathers are like, yo, if you have a bunch of dumb people, they can make a bunch of dumb laws and the nation can go to hell. But it's not quite a perfect democracy as they, as uh, in, in the textbook. So instead of voting directly for a presidential candidate and tallying up the total number of of votes cast nationwide, the U.S. assigns each state a slate of electors or party officials who together make up the electoral college. How many electors does a state get? How are they selected? So this is pretty interesting. The electoral college is made up of 538 electors. Each state is assigned a number of electors equal to the total number of senators and representatives the state has. So every state doesn't have the same amount of Congress people and senators. So pretty much you're saying it's a one for one based upon uh, how many elected, how many representatives your state has. Okay. So political parties typically, and this is where it gets confusing. It says political parties typically select these individuals either in their state party convention or through appointment by their state party leaders. While it is most common for third parties and independent candidates to merely designate theirs, once electors are selected, political parties in each state submit a list of the individuals to the state's chiefs. Yeah, elected officials. I don't get that. Because if the way I'm interpreting it is saying like, okay, the Republicans, they select their electoral college candidates the democrats they select their electoral college candidates so it's saying while it is most common for third parties and independent candidates to merely designate what the, what does that mean i don't i really don't i don't get that but i'm gonna keep it moving perhaps we can circle back to that okay. how does it actually work so a candidate must win 270 electoral votes to be elected president a state's electors are typically awarded to the party whose candidate wins the most popular votes in the state. So, 
in effect, when you vote, you are not voting as much for your candidates as you are your candidates' parties' electors. Again, that kind of went over my head yeah. as well. It's saying like you're really not voting for the president; you're voting for your electoral college. Yeah, if I remember correctly, Hillary had the popular vote, mm-hmm. but still lost. So they, they mentioned something in that until I got a little bit more. They're okay. saying in most presidential elections, the candidate that wins the popular vote will receive the majority of the electoral votes. However, that is not always the case. When the time comes, some electors abstain from voting or vote differently than they pledged to. So, okay, so that's wild. So I kind of get it now. It's putting it more into perspective. Okay. Like, I guess they're saying if the Democrats in New York, for instance, they have more votes for Hillary Clinton, that just means that Hillary Clinton has more people in the Electoral College. She gets to have more people voting for her in the Electoral College, I guess. I guess. It, it's really murky for me, too, it's that whole process. But they also said they can vote against what they said, what they said, like, hey, I'm going to vote for Hillary No. Change my mind, which is their which is their right. Yeah. They're saying on this very rare occasion, only four times in our nation's history, it is possible for a candidate to win the popular vote but lose the election due to the lack of electoral votes or vice versa. I think if I remember correctly, Trump won just he just won key states and that mm-hmm. destroyed everything. Key like, states like what? I think I'm trying to remember correctly. Don't quote me on it, but like he won Ohio, I think Michigan, Pennsylvania. I want to say he won Pennsylvania, which Clinton should have won historically. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did he win? It was like a couple of those swing states, battleground states that he won that really tipped it in his favor. No, I, I and I get it. It's like. The whole purpose of the Electoral College is to take the weight away from the densely populated states. Mm-hmm. But it's like when you have those outcomes, and again, they emphasize only four times in history there's a deviation. <laughs> I would be pissed, man. I would be really freaking mad. Yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah, like everybody vote camera rock, can we pull it? Like, yeah, I got this. And then they're like, um, yeah, see your popular vote. We're, we're voting for Trump or for Biden or something. I'll be pretty perturbed. Mm-hmm. But, um... I don't yeah, care. That's where we're at right now. A lot of people mm-hmm. were pushing to abolish it. Yeah. I, I have to study this mechanism more. Yeah, I'm with you. To, to, really, to really say where I stand. What about you? I'm with you on that. I, I believe this shit should be simple. But, like, we made the argument probably in season one or consistently is that... Mm-hmm. Most politicians are lawyers by trade. So if you're creating laws and you're a lawyer to the layman's person, you're not going to understand the shit they say. Um, it's it's not simplified enough. I think it's that's really not. So it's really confusing. Well, I will bring this up. Alaska independents have a opportunity to unseat some Republicans in this upcoming election. I think it's more like a state level. Um, let's see. Uh, 
independent candidates face some long odds, but in Alaska, these candidates often defy conventional political norms of survival. They don't only run for office, sometimes they survive and win. So I guess Alaska's U.S. House and Senate elections are independent candidates. Excuse me. Al Gross for Senate and I think Elise Galvin for House. They're challenging Republican incumbents. I think uh, I think Alaska is historically Republican, if I remember correctly. I so. Is there a Palin someone? Yeah. Former she's... presidential candidate? Mm-hmm. That's um, something... Uh, Something to consider, and um, you know, these I don't want to say Alaska's rural, but it kind of is like the military considers it an overseas assignment because <laughs> it's uh, the actual disabilities. It? It's a long tour, bro. Like, yeah, oh, wow. three years yeah. shout out to D, my homie, uh, Dan the Barber. He was stationed out there, I believe. Yeah, I mean, uh, I considered it mm-hmm. like hiking in the, in the great outdoors, but I load the cold, but yeah. um. There's the opportunity is rising again. I mentioned that uh, in the intro, like unseat some of these Congress people, unseat some of these senators, and like um, you don't have to be backed by a popular party. And, and I like that that it's, it's being independent in Alaska. But how is um how are these candidates doing in office? I don't know. I know they're running, so mm-hmm. I don't think they've been elected yet. Um, let me read a little further down trying to keep it short um let's see Elise Gavin I'm assuming she's a woman let me see Uh, I'm not sure doesn't really say but she lost in 2018 okay but she was close to winning um let's see if she had 47% of the vote wow independent candidate with 47% of the vote Mm-hmm. That makes me excited. Uh, <laughs> Let's see. I'm trying to see the other guy. Uh, where is it? It was Al Gross. I'm trying to see something on him. Okay. Uh... But um, while you're searching, do you foresee okay. a more independent political future? Like as these uh, popular parties are, are failing the people, like the lack of a stimulus check prior to going on their recess, their 30-day recess, shame on you, shame on you, shame on you, love. Like you failed the American people, and this yep. will not go unforgotten. And I implore you, run for office. Just to be like, yo, we're tired of this. Like, run for office. Believe it or not, you you may get it. You may win. Not only that, we're paying for their vacation with yes, our taxpayers. People forget that part. Like, They're over there eating lobster rolls and, and, and tuna tartar, and you know, and people are the, the, the nation is broke, man. Like yeah, it's um, I agree. It, it's really unacceptable, and it's like, and I, I hate to rant on this whole vacation thing, but you you shouldn't be able to leave office until uh, something. Something as, as big as this is, is addressed. And it's like, here's the irony as we approach Labor Day, like what are like 40 million Americans that are unemployed while the, while the Congress and the Senate are, are going in, in Cape Cod in Cape Cod on their little boats and stuff. Like, um, this is, this is, this is travesty, man. Like, 
I don't know. I find it ironic that Americans, as a standard, we talked about this in the second Bill of Rights, don't even get 30 days worth of vacation. Yo, and the, that's one the biggest perk in the military was that 30 day vacation. Yes, it was. Going into the civilian sector, they're like, yeah, you got 15 days with Christmas and stuff. I'm like, what? <laughs> Looking out the German, like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know? But, like, Again, do we get the 30 day recess and additional vacation days? Good question. I think they probably coincided together. I don't, because they did, how many vacations do they get a year, a calendar year? Hmm. Let's, let's do a quick Google search on that, because this makes yeah. I didn't find anything. Feel it. I didn't find anything on that other guy, Al Gross, as much on that article, because I guess. The other chick was, I think it was a woman. I'm still not sure. It didn't really specify, but independence got a shot, y'all. That's what we're saying. You probably have to go locally and work your way up. Locally, the state, then state hopefully get into Congress. So what are you saying? Here's how many days Congress will spend away from, Congress will spend away from the office. This is in 2018, but I'm still curious. Okay. Da, 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 da. I wish they would just give me a short day. So in 2017, Congress was in session for 145 days out of 264 work days. What? Really? That's, yeah, that's pretty wild. So how many uh, days again? <laughs> okay, so let me, let me reiterate. In 2017, Congress was in session for 145 days out of 261 work days. So that's far less time than the average American worker puts in, puts in at the office. Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, an average full-time employee receives just 11 days, 11 days of paid time off after working a year. 15 days of paid time off after working for five years. Yeah. Yes. 15 days right. paid after after 10 years. So, um, and you're going to take that whole chunk of time. And, and right now is, is, is not the time to uh, be sitting out and, and vacationing. Like, there's much work to do. And if you don't want to do it, I will go into your office and do it for free. Pro bono. Because the American people, they need assistance. But, um, that's that's it's that's, it's shocking man it, it really is it's like people are always there they were knocking obama they're knocking trump for you know always golfing it and stuff like that but it's not just the presidents it's the whole it's like the whole federal government is yeah. they have a lot of absentee uh, a lot of days out a lot of truancy so <laughs> i saw what you did there oh yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I swing it back to Miss to Miss Miss Harris, our, our, our headline. Uh, on a lighter note, you mentioned the Fresh Prince reboot. How do you feel about that? I like it. Um, I didn't go too deep in there. They mentioned there's some sort of dark twist to it that I didn't get to. I looked at the trailer and it's definitely a lot more gritty than the Will Smith version. I think Will Smith approved of it. Mm -hmm. Um, them actually pushing forward on that. So, I did, I did like, uh, I came up with Fresh Prince, big Will yeah. Smith fan. And so, um, I, I, as you mentioned, I can only assume he's going to have his hand involved. Uh -huh. And, and um, if he produces it, 
or uh, you know helps assist producer or something like that i'm, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be great but what about you man uh i definitely check it out i think he should definitely consult but let the person that created it roll with it because the person that created it is like a huge uh fresh prince fan so he's oh, already the gonna person do it. who uh the person who who's remixing it yeah okay yeah 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 i think so too Hold on, Wolf King on IG said uh, they give him too much leeway, and that's why all of it's all our fault for voting for these pe- people in and allowing these people to take these many days off when everybody in America is not making a paycheck. Okay, you're absolutely right, and that is our mission statement: is to wake the people up and inspire them to like, yo, stop voting for these people. Go in and fill these positions, like um. This it, it's not even about like oh the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poor. It's about survival at this point. It's talking about COVID and forced vaccinations, this this cruddy economy and stuff like that. Like yeah. you need people in power who represent the people, and uh, I can't emphasize that enough. Well, not only that, it's time to revisit the second Bill of Rights, which we talked about a few episodes. Yes, it's that time. If anything COVID has shown, we need to basically revitalize their American dream. So, and just get us back functioning properly. Um, I think it's time I, to... I don't think it. things are going to go back. Mm-mm. I think they are going to change, continue to change from where they are. But the main emphasis is that the change is constructive. Yes. Like we need to. Pre- I don't think we're gonna go back to how things were. I think we uh-huh. need to move from this and mm-hmm. then, you know, change constructively. As we mentioned with Skyward initiatives, like providing universal basic housing. I was looking at some documentary footage with my lady last night and dropped videos early 2019 talking about ending homelessness and stuff way before COVID. And you already know, CJ, I was preaching that since season one, like, the yeah. robots are coming, the robots are coming, artificial intelligence is coming to take everybody's job. Employment, yeah. Unemployment right now is 4%, but it's surely gonna rise. Preaching that all day, preaching all that. Sup, world, how you living? More than 80% of Americans are living check to check. That's scary because if those checks stop coming, you're a few degrees away from being homeless. Right now, unemployment in America is about 4%. And about half a million people are affected by homelessness. Now, my concern is that those numbers are going to spike with the emergence of self-driving cars and the advancements of artificial intelligence. AI is scheduled to take about 40% of American jobs by 2030 and this may inflate the the amount of homelessness in America. This is why we need universal basic housing. More or less we need to find a way to build, find a way to house everyone who needs it. We can even build these houses out of plastic so that we can clean up the nation while we're doing it. Let's abolish homelessness and provide housing for everyone who needs it as proposed by FDR in the second Bill of Rights. All day and then I'm like, wow, mm. yeah, we definitely need to reevaluate how we're going to address homelessness. 
you know but it's not from so much from the technology but yeah bro like right now this this is why we need uh independent free thinking radical people in office um wolf king 35 says covid showed the true colors about a lot of people and how many people embezzling lying and stealing the american people's money right on true indeed right on hundred <laughs> percent bro um so something a little lighter i'm more on the sports angle of things mm-hmm. sports shut down and college football i like college football i'm an admitted fan um i don't think they should have a season you don't think they should have i i kind of agree because football is a very while basketball you can do it somewhat social distancing like Basketball has done, the NBA has done the best to follow COVID guidelines and Mm -hmm. actually exceed expectations. I don't think anybody has had it since they've done the bubble. Here in Orlando, shout out to 407 represent. Um, So I'm excited about the NBA playoff. I haven't Mm -hmm. watched baseball. I like my sports. Um, But I'm glad one thing I've noticed is that the social movements has been going on has not been sidetracked and this is something we discussed about um you know like I, contracts of black america stuff like that these things are still going and that's great to see because that was my biggest concern is like mm-hmm. we were like oh like um yeah sports are back on no one cares yeah, nah, people people are still on that, still asking for Breonna Taylor's. And now I'm understanding that the athletes are still actively participating in protests, but who's threatening? Someone was threatening mm-hmm. NFL players for doing something, if they were going to do something, standing, if they were going to kneel in the national anthem, I forget what the repercussions were. I it was a specific team, I believe. NFL shouldn't have a season either, but... To their credit, they're millionaires. They can kind of get away with it. Not all the players. Millionaires, mm-hmm. we start, excuse me, going down the salary line, but they can take that risk compared to college kids who are trying to get the opportunity to take those risks. Mm. So, and that's how college kids are not getting paid either, which I think they should be. But there's a really interesting meme that went on it was talking about how all the money that the college um the colleges are losing because of the lack of the football season mm, yes the media yeah. said that this proves that they weren't really colleges after all they were just like they're just football programs with like uh with classes as like a side hustle like yeah go to school on the side play football well yeah all that money shows that there was bad bread coming in and it, the students should get a piece of that they really should Revenue sharing, anything like, uh, like the NBA. Are they paying for they? Are they paying for their school? I I've think seen anyone who plays results. on the team, anyone who plays on the team, should have some sort of scholarship, in addition to some sort of stipend. But that's yeah. that's the key. I think Clemson gives a stipend, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. I think the coach who I do not like, but he does get results. Um, I think he mentioned that in one of his post-game interviews that the kids get a stipend. How much is that? I am not sure. Poor like something like a page of like fifteen hundred every month or something to that effect. I'm not sure. That's like fifteen hundred every month. That's like giving them like what? I'm not sure. Oh, Either way, they, they're bringing in billions, man. IG's yeah. about to dip. Yeah, IG's about to dip. Hold on. Yo, everybody on Instagram, yo, thank you so much for your interaction. 
you know the podcast is open to the public would love to have y'all on the talk as guests alright I think you got all that out um, I had I also had a hate watcher too <laughs> I, I, yeah I, I'll talk to you offline ah <laughs> uh, man well you gotta hear us to hate us you know what I mean upgrade America um, they probably discovered that it's not what they thought by watching the program so mm. but we'll talk about it um Oh, uh, what was I saying? Oh, what were you asking again? You were asking something. Mm. Oh, how much you said the uh, stipend? Oh, the stipend? You said like 1500 or something, right? Hold on, let me see. Let me see if I can Google it real quick. All right, all right, all right. But, um, yeah, basketball, I can see. College basketball is now is that back on and popping? Yeah, or in I'm, the winter, well, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, that's the key thing, too. I think basketball can get away with it because the NBA is showing a model for them. I don't know how that plays out because there's so many teams. Yeah. Compared to the NBA is only, I think, 32. So... You bring up a very uh, valid point. Yeah. That's that's a lot different. Um, Let's see here. I'm trying to see if they... I know he said it in the interview. I remember he said it. But I don't know. I'm just curious if new sports will arise from COVID that incorporates social distancing. By Good the way, only one that really social distance is like golf, tennis, mm-hmm. uh, Major League Baseball. For the most part, is social distance except in the dugout. That's the only time it would. Oh not- no, no, I'm saying well, people make up new sp- something. Oh, new. okay. Like hey, yeah, well, we can't do this anymore. Let's, I don't know, do something else. But um. That seems to be the time when innovation uh, emerges. Times like these. But yeah, um, sports are... You know, I guess it's, it's, it's good that people have, you know... Sports play their, their, their role in society, you know, yeah. as far as uh, pastimes and, and things of that nature. And I think they, they bring a sense of normality. Yeah, true. Like, when sports were shut down, I was just like, okay, yeah, you know global pandemic what have you blah 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 mm-hmm. when i seen the sports i want it affected sports i'm like okay yo this is for real like yeah. if you know these this is billion dollar industries you know that are coming to a screeching halt this must be for real um so yeah that's all i got on the sports angle we did a little pop culture um let's talk about, let's get into some race car questions but we're gonna mix a little bit of political in here no doubt Upgrade America. So these are more like um, thought exercises, discussions, as we say. So first question. um, What do you think the vice, and we kind of touched on it, so this should be kind of quick to answer this. What does the VP pick mean for black voters? Is it more symbolism or possibilities? I'm looking at symbolism. And as uh, I forget the the one who mentioned it before, like is strategic, is a strategy. Like, yeah. um, and I don't know Miss Harris personally, but what I can gather from her is like, um, at least with the the slop that people are slinging at, is like she's done a great deal to lock up many African Americans, many Black people, mm-hmm. essentially destroying uh, you know Black families as well. And I don't want to mention Black Lives Matter. I don't want to say, but it's like um, the Democratic Party has strong ties to them. 
And when you look at their rhetoric and, and uh, their dogma, what they're preaching, it doesn't seem to be a very pro supportive of, of the black man. So like me personally, I think I see it as a symbolic thing and just how do you say the, the darker side in me thinks like, if you want to, if someone wanted to, uh, to oppress a bunch of people, you would do it with a, a figurehead that use a different type of figurehead. You know, if you have a, a, an old white man trying to press a bunch of people, then, you know, it, ha, ha, it can be spun a different way. But when you have it, same with, uh, you know, Barack Obama in office, it's just like everyone assumes that everything, you know, no reparations were... <laughs> Which he also or, or agrees with. No or anything. Like, when, 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 didn't hear nothing about that. What are, what are Kamala's thoughts on, on reparations? She and doesn't like, support it. She, um, mentioned something she had some kind of plan mm-hmm. but she definitely doesn't support reparations and see that now that is um i don't want to say it's a big red flag but she's not um supporting a lot of food <laughs> let me how, how can i i can say this mm-hmm. it is very clear that black people in america are still suffering from the impacts of post-slavery, economically, like racially, uh, just just many aspects. Yeah, and I'm not saying reparations is compensation for that, but um, I think it's a it's a great step in the in the right direction. And yeah, it, it's it's she won't even entertain that the idea. Like you have politicians. Let's take Elizabeth Warren for instance. She danced around the idea, came off the tip of her tongue. Didn't Bernie expect, said no. Wouldn't expect <laughs> nothing, uh, the, anything to come of it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I still entertained the idea. But um, to answer your question, yeah, this is totally. Uh, this is a figure. Th- this is a figurehead, and this is a symbolic little victory for the hardcore uh, black Democrats that blow. Uh, here I am, tongue twisted. Boat blue, no matter who, is you know that's the logo. Or and, slogan, and, or settle and, for Biden. Yeah, well. and that that's the argument I've been seeing. And another thing that people have been discussing is how does she culturally identify? Because you say black, but on mm-hmm. appearance she's she's black, right? Pigmented, yes, she has some melanin. Okay, melanin. So what does that right. mean? Her um, how do you say her sociology? Like, how does she uh, socially? I think I've seen her say, "I'm a black woman." Mm-hmm. Have she got everything that would line up to say she's a black woman. She mm-hmm. does have a white husband, which we don't care who you marry or whatever. You can still maintain, even though I could say it would be a challenge, you can still maintain your cultural identity, even if you're in a, in a racial situation. I've, there are examples of that, but. I'm just curious how her relationship is with her father. <laughs> Or was with because that could uh, get some insight onto how she used black men. Very true, and I don't know who's black out of the parents, who's black and who's. I believe her father's Jamaican. Okay, is it? And her mother's from India. Okay, and I know in the Caribbean there are a lot of Indians. East yes, there are. Hence that but curry, the- that curry goat. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um. So I, I've been seeing a lot of discussion because. Once again, she flip flops a lot. I've okay. seen, um, I've seen people pull up her um, birth certificate and it had Caucasian on 
So, so man, speaking of birth certificates, <laughs> these Republicans, man, it's so freaking silly. They slapped that with Barack Obama and they, they yeah. dragged him through that whole birther thing. And now it's like, what, the birther 2.0? It's like yeah. they're still trying to do that with uh, with Miss Harris as well. Like, that's the best you can do. That's I, the best angle of attack that the Republicans can muster. It's pretty pathetic. I will say this, and I think it's coming from the people too. Um, there's been a lot of infighting, black lives mm-hmm. on... I guess her, how does she culturally identify? Don't say you are a black woman, but your actions show otherwise. I think that's where the biggest fight is going on right now because you have a lot of people saying, like you said, vote blue no matter what. We don't have a choice. We gotta get Trump out. It's like, again, I'm not looking at her actions and um, I'm crediting Miss uh, Tulsi Gabbard as well, but her legacy of, of prosecutions, it was heavily against the black community. And it's one thing like when you're targeting pedophiles, murderers, drug kingpins, and rapists. It's another thing when you're like, oh, you got 3.5 grams of weed? Pop them with whatever. Oh, you got this, that, and the third for weed? You know, it's like, and in my opinion, it's like she used these countless African-American, countless black people were sacrifices for her career. It's just like... Lock them up because it looks good on paper and it's easy yeah. to do it. And she got away with it. And so it's just like, so she did that on this level as above. So below, what is she going to do in the Oval Office? And particularly for the black, like I said, for the black community. Mm-hmm. And that's why I have a, a concern. Uh, I have a concern uh, about her. I want to hear her clear black agenda. Talk yeah um and like i said we wrote we read over biden's a while back and it was very vague and you and i had this debate about minorities versus actually a black agenda like there always seems to be a tie with putting everybody on our agenda when each community has their own specific needs there's an executive order just for hispanics so yeah. Like, yeah, give me some, uh, give me an, a, a clear, specific black agenda for the black community. And so, yeah, this is the thing. Way. Yeah, and this is the thing we want to oppress, oppress, not oppress, but impress upon everybody is mm-hmm. we're not anti-immigrant. We're an, we're anti-inequality. Yes, we just it, want fairness in legislation and policy. That's all we're asking. You know, every group is entitled to get what they fight for and advocate for what their needs are. We just want our needs to be met and not a package deal. In yes, particularly it's like we're putting all that energy in the forefront and then you're just hanging on to the cape and saying, yeah, we want this too. And that's why I'm like, um, I'm, I'm certain organizations that we don't speak of, when yes. you look into their, their rhetoric, they seem to be going for a package deal and that's not... That's not what I'm fighting. Um, so I think it's more of a symbolism pick. Mm-hmm. Um, like we said, we, we're in alignment with that. But I'm going to ask you this question. Okay. Can we trust black people in elected positions to look out for our interests? No. <laughs> Unless they're Cameron Rock. <laughs> and it's not just, it's not a, it's not black people, white people. It's like, listen, that's the end of the day. 
if you've been chosen to represent the corporations, you've been chosen to represent uh, certain interests, that's who you're, that's who you're, that's who you owe your allegiance to. Mm-hmm. No, I, I dare say no one in the popular parties owes their allegiance to the people. You did not get your millions of dollars from the people. You got it from these corporations. You got it from these billionaire boys clubs. So yeah. a black figure doesn't make like, trust me, I'm black. I'm from the hood. No, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I don't. Like I said, that I don't want to say I fear. And I haven't feared in years, but I have more concern for Miss um, Harris than I than I do with Trump. Mm-hmm. They're both still. Uh, either way, 2020 is gonna be. I mean, 2021 is. is I don't know, bro. Um. Yeah, it comes down to the money, economics. But I, I, I think I, I just want to clarify on your question. I don't trust them. If they come under the guise of a popular party, I don't trust you. If you come under, if you like, yo, yes, I'm, I'm here to represent the people. Like you have no ties to corporate interests. You said it. Her top five backers. Is it uncommon for a political candidate? Top financiers to be the people? Mm, good question. I don't think so. It's more like PACs, lobbyist groups. Obviously, mm-hmm. we see the state is behind Kamala Harris. Well, at least during her, during her campaign. But um, what does that mean to you? Like, look at it like this. Okay. The state is investing money into a political candidate. What do you think their return? What type of return do you think they're anticipating from a federal candidate, from a, from a president? Oh, they definitely want some uh, inroads and leeways on legislation involving them on a federal level. And I'll throw one at you. Even okay. though she's kind of in the in the middle on marijuana, that's one of, one of the biggest industries in California economically. True. So I think were... Allie would be a little upset if they, um, if she were to uh, infringe upon uh, what they're doing out there now. That's a very good point. I was, I was going to lean more towards fighting to get marijuana off the, was it Schedule One drug list? Mm-hmm. I could see the reason why they would invest in her could be that reason to fight to abolish that or get marijuana off to mm-hmm. help the economy of California. That's how I was kind of looking at it. So, okay, so then that makes sense and I like that. It's just I'm curious what further legislation is going to be passed. I heard a uh, legislation for high-capacity magazines was just reversed in California. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, Ms. Kamala Harris is still avidly against uh, assault weapons, uh, i.e. AR-15s, what have you. So it's like I'm curious how those agendas would be Played out into the into there, but um, I I, I admire her ambition. Mm-hmm. I, I truly do, and subconsciously, yeah, a black person's in the White House. Yeah, I like that too. But um, consciously, in my background, I don't I don't trust her. I don't trust her. I don't trust Biden. It's just ninnies. Um, next question: You're elected as president. How much do you really think you can get done as an independent and as a black man? I know, I kind of know politically how you're gonna say this, but I'm just being okay. real because we um, have examples. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna rehash my answer. Executive okay. orders 
And I'm just gonna Google that real quick, just to uh, presidential executive orders. It's more or less uh, something that, I don't wanna say it's like a, a bill that the president can write, but mm-hmm. he, can pro- he can create legislation via the form of executive orders and they're only valid while he's in office. But at the same time, you can get a lot done with yeah. that without the oversight from did, real quick did jimmy carter do that i know he's a one-term president i think he did that most of his uh just exact executive orders mm-hmm. interesting i think i'm not sure I'm not sure but uh, as per definition it says an executive order is means of issuing federal directives in the united states used by the president of the united states to manage operations of the federal government so that's very broad as to what it can be used for. It says the legal constitution bias, executive orders has multiple sources. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what you can do, like popular ones. So history and use. So the Emancipation Proclamation was an executive order. Itself, a rather unusual thing in those days, executive orders are simply presidential directives, directives issued to agents of the executive department by it like it's false so you know how you got all these agencies and everything i think you can create agencies through executive orders which i would do through that cca the citizens advocates agency to combat police uh, brutality mm-hmm. i'd be an executive order if uh, i could find a way to uh, ban public smoking i would make that an executive order like i'd swap them all over the place and they're only good for four years, and I'd make those changes. How do you think? I'm not too sure, and I'm maybe I'm naive, and I'm not too sh- uh, educated on the political process on how to make an executive order. I haven't made one just yet, but I'm not too sure how uh, being black, how that would be impacted. Like, who can reject an executive order? Who can tell me, no, you can't do that? Let me see what uh, I mentioned Franklin Roosevelt. Table of U.S. presidents using executive orders. So this is interesting. So okay. Washington issued eight, and I'm only going to read the ones who have the highest. Andrew Jackson issued 12. Mm-hmm. John Tyler issued 17. James K. Polk issued 18. Okay. Wow. Franklin Pierce issued 35. Abraham Lincoln issued 48. Okay. Jackson, 79. Ulysses S. Grant. Wow, this is a doozy. 217. Wow. Let's skip further down. Theodore Roosevelt, 1,081 executive orders. Woodrow Wilson, 1,803 executive orders. Franklin D. Roosevelt, 3,500 executive orders. So let's go further, recent history. Boom, boom, boom. So Bill Clinton, 254. George W. Bush, 291. Barack Obama, 276. And Donald Trump, uh, today, uh, as I'm sorry, up to August 8th, has 177. Oh, okay. I see myself in the Franklin D. Roosevelt Department of Executive Order, Executive Order, Executive Order. And it's slapping them everywhere until I can make these temporary changes. If they are great changes to people witness, like, hey, this is a really great thing. Perhaps it can become legislation further in the future. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What type of constraints do you think an independent, a black independent president would face with executive orders? 
just seeing the example of Barack Obama, um, the vitriol that it appeared to be, uh, mm-hmm. we never really know behind the scenes. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see because with executive orders, that's pretty much a press worthy situation for the most part. So I would be curious to see on both sides how that would play out because remember, you're independent. So I would like to see who would be more, I guess, aggressive towards you about doing that. So I want to read this uh, legal conflict. Okay. Because again, um, while you mentioned the aggression, like who would be against me, I'm just curious, like who could stop me? Okay. And so it says legal conflicts and, and it's mentioned a bit of the Supreme Court. So in 1935, the Supreme Court overturned five of Franklin Roosevelt's executive orders. So executive order 12954 issued by President Bill Clinton in 1995, it attempted to prevent the federal government from contracting with organizations that had strike breakers on payroll. A federal appeal court overruled that order, conflicted with the National Labor Relations, and validated the order. So interesting. So it seems the Supreme Court is some sort of a check against unconstitutional executive orders. But at the same time, if the orders are put forth and they are constitutionally sound, it would be very difficult to put forth a, a compelling argument to prevent these orders from occurring because it's like essentially the president is the boss that's how they're breaking down of these agencies so Mm -hmm. the agencies within the federal government he he can uh dictate orders accordingly um i want to dig into the one thing i saw in the movie vice which you told me you suggested i watch i think it was you right vice 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 or somebody did I don't know about the the president about Dick Cheney, basically. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about like Vice the reporting. Uh, no, no. So, but yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Pretty, pretty great movie. Though. It was. But the one thing they brought up was what is it? Unitary executive power or some little loophole that Cheney was able to manipulate. Interesting. I wanted to talk about that. I gotta go back and look at it. But something we can discuss on another podcast. Okay. Um, episode, but all right. So we got special report update. I'll make this quick. The Beirut explosion theory. Okay. We got more info. Yeah, I watched the video. I'm gonna make this quick and painless because I already know it would probably get buried. Um, so uh, algorithm haters out there. Yeah. So the theory is, once again, Kim Iverson came up with this and it made me think it connected dots. But the second point I'm gonna bring up is something I brought up on season one, our Iran episode, which ironically enough, you're gonna see how that plays out. Well, I break it down, bro. So basically she had a theory that the US and Israel spies set off the explosion in the port with another fuel source, not necessarily fireworks or anything like that, but something else because of the nature of, was it ammonium nitrate or fertilizer or whatever? Yes. You need something else, like some kind of, I guess, accelerant. Uh, explosion or something, or thermite or something. Okay, so that's her biggest theory overall, who did it? So hold on, let me, before we, we go, but to be clear, 
the ammonium nitrate was being stored there as evidence. It's not like that was brought in as a right or yeah, I think it was. I think that was clear. It has been sitting there, or whatever the case might be. Okay. I think that's confirmed. Okay. Iran and China have a package deal to develop. Guess what you can guess? Infrastructure, military. In Beirut? No, this is a agreement between Iran, oh, okay. Iran and China. What did I talk about on that episode that the U.S. should do? Have some fur. I'm assuming I'm going to record. Invest in <laughs> Iran. Work on oh, trade. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Energy, infrastructure, tourism. I talked about all this. So well, China is investing into them. Yes, four hundred billion. Four hundred billion? Yep. It's nearly Energy. half a trillion dollars. Yeah. So Wait, wait, wait. You're saying energy is what they're inf- they're investing into? Energy, manufacturing, oil, gas, infrastructure, military, all well, this. Let's not blow by that. That energy, like, will they have the capability to further enrich uh, weapons-grade plutonium from this energy deal? Will any of that equipment permit them to do that? I'm sure it will, but that's not the concern. The concern is what we need to really worry about is the fact that other nations are doing deals without us, thus leaving us in a more vulnerable position. That's what you need to worry about economically. And I think um, under the Trump administration, we've become more ethnocentric. We've become more closed. Like, we're not playing well with other nations. And as Mm -hmm. you can see, like, they're like, oh, America don't want to do this. Other people are jumping in and, you know, they're building um, relations. And I'm curious Um, to see how that plays out. Yeah, so basically she said also, she mentioned that the West is using extremists in South, I think, West Asia Mm -hmm. to slow Chinese expansion because China is trying to... What type of extremists? Um, what was that? You're talking about like, you're talking about like... There's some militia fighters or some rebels or something. I think so. Okay, I can see that. And uh, I, my, what I was reading about China is like, they don't, they handle military conflicts within their sphere of influence, but they don't want to take the fight outside of, mm-hmm. you know, regions they control. So you're saying that South? I think it's Southwest Asia. Yeah, because Southeast is like Cambodia, Laos. I think it's West. I remember like, uh, what's that group? Uyghur, Uyghur, that group that keeps popping up in the news that uh, the Chinese basically are saying they're uh, uh, oppressing them or something like that. It's a group of Asians that are in Nepal. Something like that. I think so. But she's saying probably within that, not saying Mm -hmm. they're probably turning radical and extremist because of what's been happening to them. So she was kind of mentioning that. Um, Interesting. Bro, like I listened to some more Kim and like she's dope, but she connected some dots that I've been concerned about. And this is what I've been telling you. Okay. And mentioning economically is the front we need to worry about more so than militarily from china or from who china 
Oh yeah, absolutely. All the deals they've been making around us and within our country, real oh, estate. Yeah, we just told you about the. Uh, there's a port they own a huge port in California. So it's like, yeah, you're absolutely right. You but then you said uh, uh, economically as well, America going bankrupt. <laughs> Please, uh, the possibility for other countries to come buy this piece up, uh, place up piece by piece. But yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a concern. But how yeah. does this tie back to Beirut? They're a very important port in rebuilding the Silk Road that China is heavily invested in to basically go around America. If they get this Silk Road up, and this is beneficial for all the companies and uh, countries involved with the Silk Road, so to speak. So Beirut is a very important part. I think Iran plays a key part in that. Mm -hmm. but Beirut is very central to a part of the Silk Road connecting like Europe and the Middle East. It's kind of like right there, I guess, geography wise where it helps. Lebanon, okay. Yeah, makes yeah. Sense. So that's why this is a big deal. So she also mentioned the act of sabotage with us and israel not confirmed it's all theory all spe i had some speculation uh, about that as well some mind cell sources were suggesting that too but no confirmation no no hard exactly. it was basically what, but, uh, the uh, to, yes what do they stand again what does america or israel stand again from this besides it's, just disruption to slow down the expansion of china because if you see china's expanded in africa indirect attack i see yeah um so yeah basically that that's the theory and she also mentioned a second cold world war with china. yeah second cold uh, war with china i've been hearing about that as well like no yeah. indirect attacks all this proxy bs but i'm just curious who got the intel that all that ammonium nitrate was just sitting around and like hmm, it's like a wonderful munition I don't know. That's it's so many questions, and they probably won't be answered. Or if they are answered, they're not going to be the answer we want. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, I'm sure. So that's, um, classified and all that. Yeah, that's all we got on that one. So we're gonna go to rapid headlines. Let's run through it. Um, let's see. States have authority to fine or jail people that refuse the corona vaccine. Have fun with that. How you feel about that? I'm very perturbed, man. As I mentioned, um, <sighs> so when you're looking at the state of affairs and the polarization between political parties, you have the Republicans over on one side. They want to open up the economy. COVID was a hoax and all that good stuff they're saying before, but they want to open up the economy. They're not really big on masks and all that good stuff. They want to send kids back to school, right? On the other hand, you have the Democrats who want, you know, close the economy, kids are going to be homeschooled, and more or less, long story short, they are leveraging and enforcing this COVID uh, thing more seriously. Mm -hmm. So, um, I just think that under a Democratic president, mm -hmm. that is when you will see more enforcement of these mandated vaccine vaccines so there's headlines saying that russia is like yo we made our vaccine we got it you want it america was like nah we don't want that because it's like it's an experimental vaccine mm -hmm. and various research is saying it could take like four years to roll out a quote unquote 
safe vaccine. And you know, they tested on the military first. And then they just get the bugs out. Yeah. But to answer your question, yeah, I'm very concerned, man, about them trying to force this experimental vaccine onto the American people. Shout out to Rizal uh, Islam. And um, this is this is knowledge that you can do your due diligence. But there is a clause where you cannot sue a vaccine company. So if the vaccine kills you, your family, no one can sue them for an unwrongful death. Like this is passed by like Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And worst case scenario, doomsday scenario, everyone get your vaccines, get your vaccines. Mm-hmm. Oops, there's a bug. Killed a hundred million of you guys. No one is held liable. And when you're talking about it, it's one thing you're in the military where it's like, get your shots or your Article 15. It's another thing where you're a God bless an American and you're supposed to be free. And someone's talking about mandating and uh, the use of force and jail times and fines among that nation. That's very un-American and it's very concerning. Very, very concerning. What about you? Curious to see how it play out, and I don't think it would play out very well. If you see people already rebelling about wearing masks and social distancing, I can only imagine. The majority for- is on board, though. The majority is on board for the mask. You got a few rebels that want to protest yeah. because they can't go to Denny's and shit. But mm-hmm. like, the majority is on board, and it's fair. It's frightening. Yeah. People are so- yeah. We need to force everyone to get vaccines. What? Hmm. It's one thing, like I said, it's you take your time, you do your tests, you do your, your clinical trials, and you're like, oh, you, you got your data. But when you're trying, we, we discussed the experimental medicine. What was that one you were talking about before? Rifle, whatever the hell? Yeah, hold on, let me see, read it real quick. Uh, but like, when you're experimenting with vaccines and you're, you're, you're rolling them out, Putting mm-hmm. in production shorter than the required time it takes to make, and mm-hmm. you're forcing people to get it. That, yo, just my experience with the anthrax vaccine in the Air Force. I remember that. It was a seven-shot series, so it wasn't just like one well. you're done. You have to take seven different shots. I got mm-hmm. the shot number four, and they discontinued it because people were having heart and uh, and other medical problems. And it's just like while you're under the service of you know the military, you are government property, and you are obligated to take your shots. And I get it. You volunteered. You signed up for this. But um, as a civilian, mm-mm. well, this is the one concern we did mention. What I don't know if it was this season or season one. Probably this season earlier is how they were gonna make you take the vaccine was through other means. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, like, when um, sporting events open back up, you're going to have some sort of digital certificate. Did you get your vaccine? Show it on your smartphone? Okay, cool. Oh, this whole... People are social animals. We love crowds. We love to be around a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's social distancing. I'm not saying it has a lot of desperation, but it's impacting people negatively. So when you tell people you have the solution on how you can go back to crowds, go back to hanging out is just to get a vaccine people are going to be on board and when you're saying hey you can only come in to shop here if you have this vaccine you can only eat here if you have this vaccine they have ways to, to make it to make it happen it's just um i think that i understand private property is private property enforce it how you will mm-hmm. but do not don't mandate people to do it 
Um, the drug you mentioned, experimental treatment, is mm-hmm. remdesivir. Remdesivir? Yeah. And it's experimental medicine being studied for use in treating conditions caused by coronavirus. What it is not yet known as safe and effective treatment for any condition. Uh, FDA has authorized emergency use of it in adults mm-hmm. and children who are hospitalized with COVID-19. It has not been approved to treat coronavirus or COVID-19. And I think it, it seems that it's emphasizing in the, the treatment of the symptoms. Mm-hmm. My understanding, the main way that um, that COVID kills you is like through crystalline mucus. It's like mm-hmm. your lungs fill up with mucus and you know, that's how it gets you. So perhaps maybe it attacks that. Like that's, because my understanding, that's what you need a ventilator for because that whole mucus buildup is what's uh, is really blocking the, the breathing and stuff like that. But if it's like some sort of anti-mucus agent, I could see that. The reason they're saying a red flag is because they're saying experiment emergency uses, meaning, yo, this ain't even cleared to be used. It's just like, I don't know, bro. Is that the age we are in? The age of experimental medicines? It's tough. Um, so yeah. And then what else we got? But, uh, uh, was there any consumer protection for the, the people who are taking this? I think it's more, it looks like it's basically, uh, let me go back to it real quick. It's like more than likely if you're taking that you're already in the fight of your life oh okay okay, okay. Like it's more emergency based like if you're hospitalized for covid you're taking it fda approved emergency use of it but they didn't approve it to be like widespread like yo everybody's safe to take it it's more like emergency based only okay um that's, uh, that's pretty uh yeah that's it just seems everything the pharmaceutical companies produces has some sort of a detrimental side effect. Mm-hmm. And again, if you're if, if it's gonna save your life, you know, then that's cool. But we, we gotta be consumers need protection. Yeah. Um. How did you feel about Putin injecting his? I think daughter was it his daughter? He didn't do that shit. <laughs> Do you think it was just great? No one in their right mind. No one in their right mind is going to inject themselves or their loved ones with a vaccine that was rushed in under X amount of uh, Mm. was just slapped together. So here's a theory. Then say this: this is a vaccine and it works marvelous and it's flawless. I can only assume. That they've been working on that vaccine for years, preemptively, and that would only lead to more um, suspicion of foul play. Like, oh, word, plague comes out, really uh, messes up the world, and, and you you got the vaccine just like that. That would be a bit suspicious. But I don't think he did that. I don't believe it. Bill Gates said he wouldn't even inject his own kids with vaccines. So I, don't think, I don't think Putin. Would do that to his daughter. So, what about you? Do you believe it? Nah, I think it's psychops. Oh yeah, without a doubt, man. Yeah, that's what that is. Um, but I know Putin's wild, so <laughs> there's no telling with that dude. But I think it's psychops. He's wild. He's wild. I, he's I did. Measured. I and there are 
I've studied him, not intense, but like uh, there's things I admire about him. Like he doesn't start his work day until like 12 noon. He's up like swimming and hitting the shooting range and, you know, doing things like that. But he works from 12 noon to like, I think 1 a.m. Okay. And I like that because you can meet in the daylight with the, you know, the two people you need to meet in the daylight with. And then you got certain people you need to meet in the shadows with too. There's different types of uh, operations, you know. He, he he gets to meet up with that type of schedule. I think it's more flexibility. You're not just mingling with one uh, one side of the house to get to see the the whole operation. Yeah. Uh, we should. I know we talked about him before. We could go into depth on another episode, but mm-hmm. I agree with you. Psychops all the way, man. It's very powerful. Um, so remember police chief Carmen Best mm-hmm. in Seattle, so she resigned. So I heard. So what do you think of that? Because we kind of covered that her and the mayor had friction on how they were going with the Chaz or the designated zone in Seattle, downtown Seattle. Man, it's like, I don't even know what happened with those Chaz things. Because every time they covered it, they would show the same person, the same picture of the guy with the AR-15. And yeah. I'm like, okay, where's everybody else? Like, I think they were really hyping that up. Maybe she did handle it poorly. Like, um, from the perspective, or at least the way it was being spun, is like, she lost control. She lost command and control. And so you, you think it was like... Would you would have resigned in that situation? I wouldn't have resigned only because I would not have let them take over a police station. This is why I guess her reasoning real quick. Okay. She resigned after city council approved cutting budget and reducing workforce for I guess the police department. Yeah, for the police department. Reduced the workforce up to a hundred officers. Mm. So that's why she resigned. Well, I could see that, and maybe that's her thing on paper. Mm-hmm. I did want to say, and this kind of like it's on the subject of police, but uh, don't so much defund the police, but mandate that those officers live within the neighborhoods they police. Because mm-hmm. it's one thing to show up to your job for your shift for X amount of hours, and then fuck with the populace oppress the populace, and then go back to, you know, your, your nice wherever the hell you live. It's mm-hmm. another thing when you're living in a neighborhood that you're policing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that would have some, I think that would have a positive impact. But, um, uh, I know um, that was brought up on Contract of Black America that mm-hmm. used to be the kind of the standard. The other thing they mentioned too, the caveat on that, as a caution to have them within at least 10 miles of the neighborhood that they work in for safety and OPSEC reasons because of what you notice. Like, if I know this cop oppressed my cousin the other night and got away with it, I can come see him at home. That's true. So that's... Same time, it's like... Yeah, you can find a balance. I believe you can find a balance, but that's one of the main concerns why they don't have them, say, in the neighborhood. And I, and I, and I totally see that, you know, with the... But I, I do want to say that maybe you would handle things differently when you are part of the community. Oh, very true. And you're like, I'm just external out here and everything. You have a use of force model for a purpose. 
It means they, they, they emphasize when, you, when you're training that you can go up that use of force model just as fast as you can go back down. And at yeah. the end of the day, everything is officer's discretion. So if an officer doesn't have to, I don't want to say officer can just give you a pass. Be like, oh, you got guns and, guns and drugs in the trunk. Like, give you a pass. But I mean, like, in, it, everything is it, at officer's discretion. They can handle things differently. Now, I dare say if you were in the neighborhood, this is your community, you would look at like, I'm going to say we look at everyone like family, but you wouldn't be so, you wouldn't have such an isolated perspective. But um, for her to step down, um, I don't know, man. What are your thoughts? It was something else besides that. I think that was the tipping point for her. Mm. And then the optics of it. I mean, like you said, optics-wise, she it lost control. Yeah, it, it looked bad to to the point where it reached the president's uh, reached the president's eyes, and you know he he had his rhetoric. But at the same time, it's like I get it because. it's Maybe that's just a military commander and me, yeah. but I'm not losing I'm not losing an inch of ground. And as soon as you give up an inch of ground, by all means peacefully protest. But as soon as you give up an inch of ground, you've seen how it got exaggerated, it got distorted, people just ran crazy with it. Yeah. So that was um and, I know in, in her and from her perspective, I know she thought it was the best way to mitigate the loss of life. Mm-hmm. And maybe she did, but at the same time, to lose command and control, you lose um, not so much respect, but authority, and uh, yeah, as well. And I think she's a she's a veteran too, so okay. add that to that. So I could see, based on morality and principles, I don't know what branch, but that's probably another reason why she resigned too. Well, I mean, um, just like the we talked about the police chief from Chicago. Policing in America is about to get very, very messy, very, very sticky. And you're talking about within uh, the injection of these super cops, as we mentioned on the previous episode. Mm-hmm. No part of that either. Because you're talking about sharing jurisdictions, superseding jurisdictions, superseding commands. Yeah. Uh, like, I wouldn't want that either. Uh, um, let's see. Trump payroll tax. Social Security blueprint for U.S. business resurgence. Yeah, I heard him say something about um, or there there's mentioned that if Trump is elected again, he's going to cut Social Security. Is that okay. what you're So yeah, it says filing order on payroll tax. Trump threatens to kill Social Security if reelected. Hold on, let me wow. see. Why? Like so many old people love him. That's like the threat of Um. And it, it's interesting because it affects his constituents too. Yeah, that's so, what I'm saying. Like the old people love. So. Yeah. So with his four executive orders purportedly aimed at relieving Americans of the burden of coronavirus, President Trump spun the theme of his administration, the art of the con, to a higher level. I guess that was his book or something, one mm-hmm. of his past books. The orders signed Saturday include a supposed moratorium on evictions and foreclosures, a deferral of student loan payments, and an extension of federal unemployment benefits. So can you say what that moratorium? I guess it's basically stop people from getting evicted from their homes and- It didn't really say yet. I guess we have to Google for more actually terms. I'm, I'm assuming the rest of the year, I would guess that would make sense. 
that would be nice to know because um, you know you have a lot of we're facing one of the biggest addiction crises. Yeah. Well, the century just started, but like you know, American history. On top of that, but okay. as far as cutting Social Security, where does he say that? Um, let's see. I'm trying to see. But the most potentially far-reaching order concerns the payroll tax, which funds Social Security and part of Medicare. This order, along with Trump's comments made at the signing ceremony, poses a mortal threat to 64 million Americans who currently receive Social Security benefits and the hundreds of millions more who will receive it in the coming decades. So this is further evidence of the power of an executive order. Mm -hmm. Wow. And again, you know, this can be undone by, the, you know, the next president. But still, so, to be able to do that, put that in the action, it's, uh, wow. Yeah, and granted, the full disclosure is coming from the LA Times, who is, mm -hmm. for the most part, purported, uh, reported as, I think, liberal. Oh, yeah, yeah, without so, doubt. you know, there's some bias or whatever, but... Um, I want to just touch on the termination of the payroll tax. I didn't know, I guess it feeds into Social Security and Medicare, but for business resurgence in the U.S. to get businesses to bring back manufacturing and other stuff, mm -hmm. tax-wise, do you see that as an incentive to revitalize Main Street America or Business America for no. jobs and all that stuff like that? Like, right now, iPhone 11 Pro, far better than um, all those androids out there. No, no disrespect, Chris. <laughs> but like, it's it's going for like, let's call it 1100 bucks. And that's with it being manufactured in China, overseas and assembled. I think, I do believe a lot of parts are made in Germany and then it's set, it's assembled in China. And it's 1100 bucks. When you, let's just say we, we took that example and we brought that manufacturing back to America Realistically, man, we're looking at like 25% market at the least, at the least. And how is that? I don't know, man. Uh, I think in this whole globalization, we found a way to work with other nations and, and see what they do best. Manufacturing is not what we do best anymore. Those days are, are longer. And even more so, say we did bring, the only way we're bringing manufacturing back to America is when the robots are doing it exclusively. When that was my next. You that was don't have to pay humans. You pay yeah. 3D printers. You pay the machine labor cost for 3D printers, robots, and things of that nature. That's the only way I foresee these jobs coming back, and that's not going to help the, uh, the average American. I look at it a little differently. I'm not saying we can't be better at manufacturing. I think mm -hmm. we're too greedy and lazy to do it. That's my perspective on it, because we were once one of the manufacturing giants within what the first two wars, war, world wars, World War Two, World War One. Oh, yeah, yeah. Basically, I guess Korean War would fall in that right up until the civil rights movement. So you saying what, like 1900 till about 1970? Yeah, 60, 70. Cause yeah, I would even say in the 70s they had a big uptick with. Well, no. The 70s, they had a big uptick with imports from mm -hmm. Japan. Yeah. There's actually, you know where the Forerunner came from? The Toyota uh, Forerunner? No. So more or less, there is a quota on how many import cars we could have from Japan. Okay. 
So they're like, Toyota was like, hmm, it seems we missed our, we met our quota. Can't sell any more America, cars to America. They made the Forerunner, the SUV. They pretty much took the whole like Camry, whatever chassis, and then they just jacked it up. And then they made, it's not quite a car, it's something else. And they were able to circumvent that. But um, yeah, the manufacturing era came to an end. It's even more so now. It's gone to, it's ending with, how do you say, globalization and automation and and technology. So the main question is, what can Americans do and what will they be doing in the future? And I don't think it's going to be manufacturing. Yeah, I mean, basically, not to beat a dead horse, but basically you have to marry human capital with machines. So say, like you said, manufacturing, we have bots and stuff, but you have mm-hmm. a human there monitoring and is skillful enough to say troubleshoot or whatever for that machine or for the duties or whatever, that'll be a way to at least keep some kind of jobs. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe short to midterm, maybe not long term, but at least short to midterm until we figure out how to balance everything. Because like you and I have spoken about, technology eliminates a lot of jobs. And the only person that really mentioned that in the presidential campaign was Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang, yeah. And he had a great point about that, so. And that's what I said, I want to, at least my vision mm-hmm. for it is we find a way to eliminate poverty and by providing housing and food and you know and power and i think once you have all those and um, in the internet as well once you have all those things met like people should be good and then they can use that time to you know if you want to build yourself up you want to products whatever like we the way business is done it's, it's gonna change it has to change and when we're, we're really talking about the you know the threatening and elimination of, of jobs you have your universal basic income as proposed by andrew gang which i'm not for you see what how we're struggling just to give stimulus checks one twelve hundred dollar check you know let alone to do it every month perpetuity so um i think it's going to be a bit easier to do it with uh, like i said let's and poverty through assets. But. Yeah, I think I think the payroll tax thing brings up a unique opportunity, though, at least on a state level, local level. Okay. If you were saying, I'm, I'm not sure of my economics, but I think that's one of the biggest expenses businesses have is a payroll tax besides other corporate taxes, depending on what industry. But say if you made that lower, say like 1%, 2% or something okay. like that. You could attract our major businesses or attract more businesses to open and help invest in Main Street um, employees, all this kind of thing. So before we, you we elaborate, I, I want to be clear because I'm not too sure. On It says, I define payroll tax by... Investopedia, you're saying this? Well, let me, let me see what they're saying here. Okay, so, yeah, that's cool. Tax is that's a tax withheld from employee salary by an employer who remits it to the government on their behalf. This tax is based on wages, salaries, and tips and paid to employees. Payroll taxes are deducted directly from the employee's earnings and paid directly to the internal revenue service. Okay, so great. So by eliminating this, you're saying, will the employee have more money in their pocket? 
I'm wondering, would they have more money in their pocket? And also, would it help the employer to say maybe, yeah, pay them more or invest more in the businesses to grow or expand? Like, I on mean, top like, of would corporate Would you have to pay tax? them more if they're getting more by default? Just because, like, for instance, let's just say the payroll tax equates to like $100 out of my, my paycheck every two weeks. So per month, that's another 200 bucks a month. But it's like, it's almost like you're getting a, a slight promotion. But I don't know. I'm curious. That's something we would have to, because we talked about bringing business back to the U.S., like manufacturing mm-hmm. all this stuff like that, which it can be done because we used to do it. We just, I feel like we were too lazy and greedy to reinvent and to technologically advance compared to other developing nations or um, other economies that have the blueprint that we can use here, but we choose not to do it. Meanwhile, you see the systemic problems that come with coronavirus just highlighted everything. Oh, no doubt. So I'm just really curious on the left to talk about. So Amazon expansion strategy with the malls. We've been talking about this. Mm-hmm. I think it's so, pretty, uh, that's pretty genius. Let's see. Amazon may take over old JCPenney's and Sears to try to speed up deliveries. That makes sense. That's, I think it's very brilliant. It's uh, you have your digital frontier and then you have your brick and mortar stores too. That would be very smart. Now, are they going to use it as warehouses or are they actually going to have inventory and like stuff in there? Because I heard they have a few brick and mortar Amazon stores with that RFID chip technology. I'm trying to see. Okay. Distribution hubs to deliver packages. That's what it looks like so far. Speed up shipping time. Interesting. So it's a hub, more or less, like a packaging. And but it's easy because the infrastructure is already there. Most malls and stuff like that are near highways and everything like that. So it makes it easier for delivery. It speeds up delivery. It's advantageous. And then also the largest mall owner, um, Simon Property Group, is like hell yeah you're saving us on the real estate end because we're basically dying because of you which i find the irony working with your opponent again um, yeah yeah true indeed. seems to be a theme right. this episode hmm. i mean i could totally see that being productive particularly for the reasons that you mentioned close proximity the highway pre-existing infrastructure mm-hmm. and i see that being a win-win yeah, I don't. I really don't see why not. I would hope it would have. I would hope other industries that we spoke about on mm-hmm. a little bit last episode would take advantage of this as well, like vertical farming, like housing mm-hmm. the homeless, like clinics within there. Um, I don't know any other things you can think of living there. You know, I think that would be a really cool approach for like the mall's transformation like you said you will have places for living quarters but also places for vertical farms and it really sounds like skyward where you mentioned it like but yeah i would like to see that more across america because as we have this aging infrastructure that no one's using like yeah let's just put some use to it you know? yeah 
I've seen kind of some of that here in Orlando. Um, a lot of old buildings or districts or whatever, they reusing it. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, downtown on see, Church, is downtown Orlando, is Church and Orange, right on the corner. Church, Church Street and Orange Avenue. There's a Walgreens that used to be like an old bank or something from like 1900 and something. There's a Walgreens. Keep, did they keep like the, like you know in New York, like they, they have banks and stuff. Or buildings that used to be old banks and stuff like that, but they keep the pillars and all that. Yeah, yeah, they kept it. Like you could tell, like it's been there for like a hundred years, but it's Walgreens in there. So that's what's I up. think. Like, I like, think we should lean more to that because you want to keep the historical aspect. That's why I loved about Japan is like you got the castles and all this shit like right in the middle of the city, but you still got skyscrapers and shit. That is pretty dope. It's kind of blended. I like that. Yeah. And again, I said America, the world really is changing. And um, we have to fully acknowledge we're no longer in the 20th century. We're in the 21st and we're gonna do things a lot differently. But I'm just trying to think like historically, do you think it was that there are this many, um, that's the best way I'm looking for to express this. Do you think they're just, so many radical changes at the end of each century is that what seemed to become historically you think like at the end of the 1800s i'm trying to think like what was i know electricity was making its premiere and that significantly yeah. you know changed how how businesses and, and things were conducted the automobile came out early then too and that that you know as far as farming and everything that, that had a lot of changes well but i think we're just on the verge of radical changes in, in the 21st century things are going to be much different than they were before yeah um i guess are those your closing thoughts are you like the my closing remarks i mean like um well, we ran through a lot of stuff yeah we did today. um i suppose we should just reemphasize our mission statement is like yo just to get you involved and aware of politics, but also, you know, get involved in the process as well. If, if you're confident, you think you have what it takes to run for office, get up and, and do it. Furthermore, um, do some additional research on these political candidates. And it's so, is that what it's come to again in 2020? The same situation we were in 2016, choose the lesser of two evils and like, compromising like one candidate it's like do i want to eat a bowl of shit or do i want to drink like four gallons of piss it's like the both options suck you don't want to do any one of them but you it seems like you have to do something me i'm not a fan of piss or shit so i decided to be my own be my own evil and, and write myself in for president of the united states when i'm and i appreciate that but it's like i can't in good taste <laughs> can't in good taste look at either candidate and and, uh, and say that they are suitable options or entrust them with running the nation. So my closing remarks is do your due diligence. Don't listen to all the, uh, the rhetoric. Do, your, do some research. Your country really needs you this year. By 2020, uh, we're counting on you. But, End of the day, if the people all come together, we can truly upgrade America. 
But uh, be nice to one another, take care of each other, and you know, just pursue your version of happiness. That's all I got. What we learned is eventually you're gonna have to work with your opposition. That's mm-hmm. what I learned from this episode. At some point, you're gonna have to swallow your pride, emotions aside, and look logically and look at the bigger picture. That's the biggest thing. I have to and then it applied politically and industrially as mm-hmm. well as the message of Amazon. But yeah, and that, maybe that's the biggest lesson people can take away too is just we all have our disagreements and our differences, but we gotta learn to work together. Yeah, that's all I got. Um, yeah, y'all be blessed, man, and be grateful and do what you do. Well, it was a, once again, it was a great show. Remember, if you're breathing, you're blessed. If you're surviving 2020, you're blessed. If you're watching our blessed show, you're even more blessed. But yeah, that's all I got. Catch y'all on the next episode. Peace. Peace.